Sunday, July the 24th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Okay, um, so what we're talking about is um, stewardship. And when I was asked to speak about this, um, first of all, I read that passage. I went, oh, yeah, brilliant. I know what I can speak on. I wrote an entire sermon on wholeheartedness. And then, and then Claire said, no, we're doing stewardship. And I was like, okay, so I've written another one. Um, but I was anxious. I was anxious about talking about stewardship. And I thought, because it's got a bit of a reputation, hasn't it? Um, when Mark and I were first married, we... Uh, he was working for an IT company down by the docks and the big boss man one day asked him and I to come round for dinner and we were excited, we were like, oh, promotions, yes, here we come. So we went round all dressed up, we had the poshes meal ever and like um, in this fancy house, expensive wine, everything else and we sat down over posh coffee, no instant in that house and we finally understood why we were there and we were asked to invest some money and buy some stuff that we could then sell on um, and it was a pyramid scheme. And we were really saddened. We went home with sad hearts and we thought they didn't want us. They wanted something from us. Um, and they didn't really care about us. They just wanted what they could get from us. And I think sometimes when we talk about biblical stewardship, that has the same reputation. And Sometimes you hear the same old verses trotted out to get you to part with your cash, and you go home saddened, and you think, oh, is that really what church is about? So I prayed, and I really dug into the Bible, and I thought, don't let this talk be like this, um, God. And my research reminded me that stewardship is nothing like that. God doesn't need anything from us. He wants to bless us. And it reminded me that he gives us all that we need, not what we want, um, but what we need and we already have what we need. Um, and he'll reveal it to us when the time is right. Um, so in the meantime, we're called to steward what we already have. So what does stewardship even mean, was my starting point. And it means managing, basically managing what we have. We talk about being stewards of our possessions or our time, and it puts us in charge. It makes us the manager. But we're not the owners. God is the owner of all that we have, and we're just asked to manage it. So Psalm 24, verse 1, says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Uh, God's work will carry on long after we've retired from this life. God takes ultimate responsibility, and we are just to temporarily manage what we have. Uh, many moons ago, um, in a pre-child life, um, I worked as a nurse in A&E. And back then, there were two managers in charge of the shifts, and one of them was efficient, committed to her job. She was a fantastic nurse. Uh, She was positive. She was generally happy. She worked hard. She calmed down the patient. She reduced the wait times. um, And she even helped the junior doctors to reach their full potential. Um, And even when it felt like all was lost, if she was on shift, uh, she always had just one last resource. She'd pull something out of the bag at the perfect time. And all of that was crucial Uh, not only for the experience of us nurses, but for the individual patients, for the longevity of the hospital, and for the NHS. Um, And the other manager, 
Uh, they had a job share. The other manager did none of those things. She'd found herself at the top, I have no idea how, and she was just sitting it out until retirement. And I don't recall a single member of staff who didn't prefer to work with that first manager. It was a busier shift, we worked harder, um, but her commitment meant that we felt like we were succeeding, that the frustration of the job became a joy. So she stewarded her times, her talents, and her resources excellently for the good not only of the NHS, but of everyone around her. And in doing so, I, I believe that she lived her best life and did her best job. And the second manager was given a desk job, and she worked out her years in a dusty office with no windows. So managers or stewards are accountable for their conduct. Jesus expects all of us as individuals to account for what we have been given, regardless of what anyone else is doing. Um, And as we uh, steward or manage what we have well, uh, we will be trusted for more. Romans 14 verse 12 says, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So I think um, that each of us here today are being asked to steward three main things. Um, And the first one is time. Uh, Think about how we spend our time. If you were asked to give a minute-by-minute account of how you spent the day yesterday, how would you feel? I think I might be slightly uncomfortable. How much time did I spend watching TV in the evening, given that I moan constantly that I'm tired? How much time did I spend trying to subtly look at my phone instead of playing cards with the boys or listening to Mark? Um, We all have the same 24 hours in a day, uh, but we're all asked to do different things with that time. None of us have any idea how many 24 hours we have left. God makes us many promises in the Bible, but he doesn't promise us time. Uh, So there is some urgency. Stewarding your time well is crucial. And our time can and should be used for God in many various ways. So you've got time in his word, prayer, journaling, volunteering, but also simpler things like uplifting conversations with others, helping people, bringing joy. Everyone stand up. Just check you're all awake. Stand up, please. It's just thinking about how we use our time, because I know... When people start to talk about time, you think, but I don't have any spare time. I just, I don't have any. But I, I challenge you to, to argue that completely and fully. So over the last week, if you spent less than seven hours of leisure time in front of a screen, sit down, seven hours of leisure time in the last full week in front of a screen, that's, Phones, TV, computer, films, less than seven hours. <laughs> I was going to say, Coles. <laughs> okay, what about less than 14 hours? Less than 21 hours? I won't make us go any further, but 14 hours is two hours a day. Are you having an argument? Let's think it all about. How did you spend more than twenty-one hours in the last week in front of a screen? Not just your phone, TV, film. 
hours. 48 hours? Joe? 40 hours. Oh, the world of pre-children when you have 40 hours of spare time. Sit yourselves down. That was just really to get us thinking about how much time we spend in ways that could be used differently. All of us can use our time more wisely. And when we manage our time well, we learn to value it. And then we tend not to waste what we value. In, in Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 17, we are warned to be very careful how we live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So evil here refers to something that we don't want God to see, those don't-look-now-God moments that we all know that he knows about. Uh, we will stand before God individually and be held accountable for our works And that's good news because it means that nothing we do goes unseen by God. So we will get our reward um, for the time that we put in now. Romans 2, verse 6 to 7 says, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who persist in doing good, he will give eternal life. Okay, so that's time. I think the second thing that we are called to steward for God is talents. Little picture of me there doing a flip for you. Uh, so, <laughs> what skills has God given you? What abilities, talents, or personality traits do you have that you could use to God? Uh, turn to the person next to you and say, "You are fantastic at." No. Fantastic at flips. <laughs> at preaching. <laughs> Right, and for those of you that did it sarcastically, now try again. You are fantastic at... (laughs) Has everybody thought of something that their friend is fantastic at? Good. God gives us these talents uh, for the use, for the good of others, and for the expanded glory of him, not just because he wants us to have fun. He does want us to have fun. He wants to bring us joy, but he wants us to use our skills for his expanded glory. We heard in the passage that Izzy read that we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And when we use our talents for him, that's exactly what we're doing. But we live in a me generation where the world tells us to do what feels good and what makes us happy. But God has asked us to use our talents to advance his kingdom on earth. This is true and proper worship, and it pleases him greatly. Loving God and loving others are the first and second commandments in the Bible. And the best way to show that love is to use your talents and your abilities to strengthen others. So this seems a little bit hypocritical for me. Anyone that's played Monopoly with me will know that I don't always use my strengths and abilities to strengthen others. I was raised massively competitively and have often been heard to say things like second place is first loser and other uplifting things. But I've recently been really challenged in those thoughts. Using my talents to make myself superior to others is not right. And when I feel good, no one else feels good. When I win... No one else has fun. 
So more and more, I'm trying to understand that this isn't the way that using our strengths and our abilities to make others feel better is the biblical way. So we're called to use our skills and our talents to build up others and advance the kingdom. Try to think about what you are good at, enjoy those talents, work at them, develop them, but most important, think about how you can use them to glorify God. So just take a minute now to think about what you are best at, how you can develop that and use it to glorify God. Okay, and the third one that I believe we're called to steward is treasures. Everything that we have is from God. Now, I understand there's a tendency to remind me that you've worked hard for everything that you have, for your money, your house, your bike. Uh, But remember what we've already said. Our skills and talents, the very thing that enable us to work hard for that money, were themselves a gift from God. It's all a gift from God. He has put everything in your hands. You are the manager, and you've been assigned as a steward. Some of us have been assigned large amounts of money to steward, and some of us smaller amounts. Some of us have large houses that we have literally filled to bursting, and others are supporting people from small flats. God sees everything we are doing. Avoid the temptation to make comparisons or judgments on others. You can't possibly know everything that they are doing. And comparison just kills contentment. I will never be the cleverest, the slimmest. My house will never be clean. My money box will never be full. And when I compare myself to others, I set myself up for misery. And this also leads to the breaking of the 10th commandment. And we're coveting and envying, which quickly takes the joy out of life. The passage we heard at the beginning reminds us that we are all different, but that we all work together to make one perfect body. With that in mind, comparison is fruitless. God has a purpose for everything he has allowed you to obtain in life. He wants you to use it to serve him, to bring good to others, and to spread his good news. Luke Luke 14, verse 33, says, Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. This is the uncomfortable truth. We like our stuff. The biblical prospectus helps us to return the ownership of our possessions to God. It challenges us to hold tighter to God than to our possessions, knowing that heaven is the only foolproof investment we can make. And we may feel that we'd be better off, better off holding on to the money that we tithe each month but we give it away anyway as a living sacrifice to God. This is the only way our treasures won't rust, fade, or disappear, and it's a way of being a good steward. These passages are actually an encouragement for us to go further with Jesus than we ever have before. Matthew 6 reminds us why this is so important. It reads, For where your treasure is, your heart will also be. Jesus recognizes that above all else, this is a heart issue. Despite all the advice that he gives us on how to invest our time, talent, and treasures, he knows us, and he understands that this is about our hearts, not really about our stuff. Jesus understands that when we invest in what we value, 
our value is reflected in our investment. And Jesus wants our hearts. At the end of all this, he doesn't need anything from us. He wants our hearts. He doesn't need us, our time, or our money. He asks for our stewardship because he asks for our love. So where is your heart today? Are you loving something more than God? If this is the case, I encourage you to give it to God. Ask him what to do with it and trust in the answer. Let God guide your heart. For where our treasure is, there your heart will also be. Let's pray. Lord, I pray today for a softening of our hearts. Help us not to get caught up in comparisons and in judging what others are doing. Help us to get caught up in you and in what you are doing. Lord, prompt us and guide us as we consider what else we have to give. Help us to give this as a symbol of our love for you, Lord. Amen.